Good morning. Welcome. Uh, you know, I uh, have a value on being authentic. And so I'd like to be authentic with you all this morning. Uh, last Thursday, I received word that my youngest brother had died. Uh, and it was uh, sudden. Uh, he went, didn't have any, uh, you know, major problems or thing, uh, medical problems, but <coughs> he, uh, he's a very responsible person and uh, we all take care of my uh, mom. And so he didn't show up to a couple or uh, one of his uh, times that he was gonna spend with my mom. And uh, so my sister was calling him and, and uh, she uh, was uh, unable to reach him by cell phone or any kind of other means. So she went over on Thursday night and uh, went to his house and his cars were there and she heard something going off in, inside the house. So she called 911 and they uh, broke into the house and they found my brother in his, in his living room with, uh, in, his, in a recliner and he had his remote control and the TV was on. So uh, the best we can uh, ascertain at this time is that he died of a heart attack and he uh, probably, well, my sister said he probably died peacefully because it didn't look like there was any kind of struggle to get up or anything like that. So when, uh, when things like that happen, we are forced to make decisions, right? And that's what this series is about, just like Lori said. And sometimes uh, we can make decisions uh, based on a lot of factors of uh, well, what what what's expected or what what do I uh, need to uh, do and things and uh, to me those are like survival decisions that that there's certain things that that you have to do t to maintain uh, life uh, as it uh, in a physical sense and even emotional sense in some ways. But the series is going to be about, well, why does God invite us to make decisions? And why doesn't he just uh, create in us, like Laurie said, an artificial intelligence? Uh, and why doesn't he just, uh, you know, make everything go well? You know, like you, you get a right answer on the test and the teacher puts us happy face and, and it just bright and, and everything's sunny. And sometimes we think that's the Christian life or that's the life that, that God uh, would expect, quote, expect from us. And what, if you spend time in scripture and you spend time pe with people who know God, you're gonna see that Life is more about engaging the ugliness than it is about having this wonderful existence. Now, 
That's not to say they aren't wonderful things. And that, you know, uh, to go up in the mountains and see the, the mountains or to, to go to the sea and see the ocean and, and beautiful things. And, and beauty feeds the soul. But the world is not all beautiful. The world has a lot of ugliness in it because it's a broken world. And so part of this series is not about, well, uh, my thinking in this series is I want us to break this idea of we just have to have the right answer to things and think about more what my decisions are forming as far as my life and my character. Are they moving me toward becoming more giving, more the kind of person I want to be, or are they making me more fearful, defensive, closed, which is not things that I want to be, but they can be very comfortable, right? That, that, that the comfort can come from the fact that, like the AI, I don't have to think about things. They're all there. And I don't have to try to strive after anything. Or I don't have to, to make decisions. But I can just live, quote, live. And to me, it's, uh, it's more what I would define as surviving and not li really living. So with that said, uh, that's my context this morning, OK? Uh, and uh, this passage that I'm going to talk about is a passage that uh, has a lot of richness to me. It means a lot to me. Uh, I, it, it even means uh, some things that I need to process in my present situation that I hadn't had time because I only heard this news on Thursday and my processing is not that quick. So. In any, in any event, um, what I'd like to do is I invite you to hear the story, uh, and we'll be putting it up on the screen, I think, and uh, I want you to, to hear it in terms of what you would feel, like if you were there. Who would you be? Who do you relate with, okay? So, uh, why don't we look at Luke chapter uh, 23, and starting with verse 26. And as they led him, that's Jesus, they seized one Simon of Cyrene, who was coming in from the country, and laid on him the cross to carry it behind Jesus. If, uh, one of the richness about this passage is, Simon of Cyrene is from Africa. So if, if I were a black preacher, we would be talking about some of the racial implications of that. But I'm not, so we're going to go on. And there followed him a great multitude of people and of women who were mourning and lamenting for him. But turning to them, Jesus said, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves 
and for your children. For behold, the days are coming when they will say, Blessed are the barren and the wombs that never bore and the breasts that never nursed. Then they will begin to, to say to the mountains, Fall on us, and to the hills cover us. For if they do these things when the wood is green, what will happen when it is dry? It's interesting. Jesus invites people not to look outward at what's going on so much uh, in terms of what's happening, but what, what it means for them, inside of them. And so one of the things that uh, I think when we're making decisions, it's important to look at, at, well, what are the processes that are going on inside of us? What are the things that are stirring in us? And uh, it's an interesting thing about the, the uh, wheat for yourselves and about barren and things. A lot of times when we uh, are in that process, we can start to compare our lives with other people's lives and think, well, if I had their life, I wouldn't have these problems and things. But that's not what, what this is going to be about. It's going to be about well, what's going on inside of you and what, what, what's going on with you. So two others who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him. That's Jesus. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they were crucified with him. Crucified, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do, and they cast lots to divide his garments. And the people stood by watching, but the rulers scoffed at him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself. If he is the Christ of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him. This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged railed at him, saying, are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, truly, I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. Luke doesn't include the fact that prior to, to the statement that this uh, thief makes to uh, Jesus, he was part of the people scoffing. So he, it wasn't like he was silently not involved in this. He was participating prior to this. But at, a, at some point in time, I think the Perhaps it was the statement where Jesus prays, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. That the thief recognized something about the way he was responding and the way Jesus was responding, and that there was something different about that. And 
one of the principles I believe in making decisions is you need to pause and not just keep thinking about it or, or taking in more information and things, but just pause and think about what would Jesus say? What is Jesus praying at this point in time? And, and I believe part of it would be that he may not say anything. Jesus never talked directly to this thief, thief until the thief talked to him. Jesus never told the thief, you need to repent. You need to, to believe in me. Never, he didn't say a word, but he lived out what he, an invitation that the thief recognized, I believe. And so to you and to us, in the, in the midst of things, when God isn't, doesn't seem to answer with a, a direct uh, turn at the next corner, that there is an internal GPS that is about, I'm present with you, and we are, I'm inviting you to connect with me. And in that connection, you will receive what you need to, to what needs to happen. The other thing I, I, I thought we could look at this is, you know, when, when my brother died, uh, well, I've lost two brothers. And in both cases, uh, because I'm a pastor, maybe, I think about, well, did I do enough to see that, th they, that they could get into the kingdom or uh, that they, you know, came to know Jesus or, or things? And it's kind of like what was being said to Jesus by the, the soldiers and, and, and the priests and things. You, uh, you save yourself, but you can't save other people. Or you, if you are really know God, shouldn't they see that? And shouldn't they respond? And so in those times, there's, I think, when we're trying with big decisions or even sometimes small decisions, there's an influence of God, but there's also the influence of the enemy. And the enemy will, will tell you things in half-truths. Jesus was the savior of the world, and he could save people. But in this context, uh, and in this context, that's exactly what he was doing, but not the way that, that they thought. And so for me and my brothers, it's, it wasn't up to me to see that my brothers knew God, but it was up to me to give them opportunities that, that would not get in the way of that. And I don't feel I did any of that. So I can trust God with that. And where the, what their relationship with God is at this point, I don't know. And, but in that, I can take comfort in knowing that God knows exactly wh where they are and what they, what they think. 
and he knew exactly how to respond to them. And so in that, I, I wanted to give us a process here to look at this whole passage, okay? And the process is this. The first part of this process is there's a lot of gore going on in this passage, right? And from that gore, the next step in that process is it becomes gory. And I'll explain those a little more. And then from that gory, God brings about glory. And so let me, let me give you the acronym, what these words are, stand for. G in gore stands for garbage. There was a lot of garbage going on here. A lot of, a lot of junk being said. A lot of things that were, would not be helpful and are hurtful and things. Whenever we're making a decision, there's going to be garbage. And so the first thing to realize is everything that, there's no such thing as a clean decision, okay? There's garbage. There's, there's some kind of garbage. Second part is decisions always involve others, right? There, there, there was all kinds of people, and some of them were engaged in garbage. Others were more sorrowful for Jesus, uh, the woman weeping, for instance. Uh, for sure, his mother was there, and I don't know if she was crying or, or what her response was, but uh, it, it was prophesied that it was, she would experience a sword piercing her heart, right? So I think he, she was filling the sword at that point in time. So that's pain, right? So, so there's people going, and there's relationships, right? And again, thinking of, of the mother, and I don't know if the thief knew, knew that Mary was Jesus' mother or not, but I kind of suspect, as he was watching, he kind of saw that one woman who seemed to have a, some kind of connection with Jesus and so there was all these relationships that seemed to be in turmoil and so the E in gore is emotion when we look at something the first place that all these things affect us is in an emotional level we have an emotional response to whatever is out there and it can either be uh, where we want to fight it we want to flee it or it freezes us it paralyzes us okay but it's it's there the emotion is there the thing about gore is gore is basically a spectator posture I can look at a situation I can see the garbage, I can see the other, how others are. Uh, one of my, my Enneagram type is a nine, which means we can understand all these different perspectives and, and things. So when I'm in my Enneagram mode of nine and I see these things, I'm looking at all these factors, I'm, I'm looking at the other people, what, what's going on with them, 
looking about at the relationships, how th this is affecting the, the way that they're, they're relating to one another. And I'm feeling emotion. I'm feeling what's going on. But that's all spectator, really, because it's all out there. It's not about me and what's going on inside of me. And so what happens is, as we sit in the gore, usually it becomes gory, which is changing the E to a Y, which is you. That all of a sudden, all these things start to bring up things inside of you, and it becomes gory. And gory is, is a little different than gore, because gore, you can kind of, it's, it's like watching a, 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 a horrific movie, and you can turn off the movie and, and get away from it. But gory is where the movie keeps playing in your head, and you keep seeing it, and it, it's, you can't turn it off, and, and you're living in it, okay? And eventually, I think that's what happened to the thief, that all the gore and stuff, it affected him, and it became gory to him, because his statement to the, the other thief was, when he was railing, it was, do you not fear God? You are under the same sentence of condemnation. In other words, you and I deserve what we're getting. This guy didn't. This was injustice. And so to that, what happens is, as he recognizes his gore, it's turned to glory. Because glory is adding an L to glory. Okay? It adds the light and love of God, providing the option of a healthy decision rather than one focused on relief alone. In other words, the thief stopped asking God to save him out of the circumstance. It, instead, the thief asked God, I want to be in your presence. He says, I remember me. In other words, put me in your mind, in your heart. Remember me. And Jesus says, you're going to be with me forever. Starting today. Starting right now. So what the glory is, it uh, brings us to a point of being able to have, because gory still is there, right? It didn't change any of the letters. It just added a different letter. And the letter L, to me, represents the light of God and the love of God. Because the thief now had a perspective of where God was is where he wanted to be. And be he wanted to be that because he knew that God loved him. So, the light and love of God reframes the glory to glory. Doesn't remove it, doesn't change it. Uh, if you read in the, another gospel account, uh, in John, 
you'll find that after the thief makes this statement, uh, he doesn't die. He's still on the cross. And in fact, that further gospel account says that when Jesus dies before the two thieves, and in order to hasten their death, they broke their legs. So he wasn't even protected from the guy who never passed for God to be with him. He suffered the same thing because his legs were broken too. So when, when we, if we're thinking, well, when I get the light and, and I see this glory of God that my circumstances are going to be changed and I'm not going to feel any more pain or th the pain will be at, at capped, that is not true. In fact, it could be more. But the difference is, is this reframing that, that we're going to be able to see and we experience that we have the love and light of God with us. And that love and light will never leave us. And, and he will always be there. So some things maybe to ponder about this is uh, first, where are you seeking power over presence? So initially, when, when to me, when everybody was telling Jesus to come down from the cross, save yourself, save us, you know, fix this situation, that's a statement seeking power. It's, it's a, a wanting to show that, that you can control the, the situation and, and you can make it all better. But Jesus' invitation was, come and be with me, and I will be with you. And in the midst of this bad circumstance, we're going to be in it together. And in a very real way, everything the thief suffered, Jesus suffered. And in a very real way, and maybe even a greater way, everything you suffer, he suffers. When you weep, he weeps. When you're saddened, he, he's saddened. Because God is never about denying the ugliness. He knows it. But he asks us not to have it create fear and run away from it and, and try to hide it. And, and he asks us not to pretend it doesn't exist because it does and that kind of goes into the the second part uh, second thing to reflect on is what voices do you need to say no to the, the thief had to say no to all those voices that were telling him ask Jesus get Jesus to do something get, get call down power onto the situation and the thief had to say no to that and say no the thing I'm going to ask Jesus is I want you to remember me and then the last thing is he was open about this process it wasn't just a uh, private conversation right because he starts off the conversation by 
saying no to the, the guy on the, that he was being crucified with. And then he turns to Jesus in that same conversation. So what does all this mean? I believe what it, God's invitation to us is this. Wherever we are, whatever we're going through, he wants us to be able to to be empowered to share that with, for sure with him, but I also believe it was uh, to be shared in uh, community. Even though this, this doesn't seem like community, there was a bunch of people. And if you read some of the other gospel accounts, they were affected by what went on. In fact, one of, the, one of the soldiers who were in charge of the crucifixion said, this truly was the Son of God. Which to me means that when we are willing to be open about our process and things, God gets glory. That's part of God's glory. And, and so uh, part of my, my sharing about my brother was because I, I want to be honest and transparent. Part of it is I want to give God glory. I want God to be able to have an opportunity to be able to show that he's a God of love and light, even in the midst of, of bad stuff. And uh, I'm not saying my, this, uh, like I said, this is gory and, and gore for me. But I'm in the process of receiving the light and love of God in it, that his glory would be shown. So I'm going to invite you to, to maybe think about these uh, things in your own life. I don't know where the Lord has you in it. Uh, maybe he, it's not you, but maybe you know someone who you could encourage them to say, you know, this is ugly. This is messy. But that it will end. Jesus' statement was, today you will be with me in paradise. That it doesn't wait until you get to heaven. It starts right now. It starts right now because he will bring an assurance of his presence into that place. And what that looks like and how that operates, I don't know. And maybe one last thing about this. You know, sometimes we think we need to have uh, people uh, ask us questions and things or probe into us. But the, uh, the thief on the cross didn't wait for Jesus to tell him what to do. He just presented where he was. And then Jesus responded. So you don't have to f have the question figured out to bring it to God. If, if there's something stirring inside you that you don't understand, that doesn't feel right, that is disjointed and things, I would invite you to bring that to God. And the amazing thing about God is you don't have to be articulate. You don't even have to have words. All you have to do is
be able to present your heart and say, here it is, Lord. Look at it. Do you know what it is? Do you know what's inside of me? Let me give you a little application too, okay? I believe this hand can represent God and this hand can represent us. And in the Garden of Eden, in, in the book of Genesis, this was the relationship that God and us were joined together. But then in Genesis 3, we released that relationship. And now it became separate in, in the fact that it's no longer joint. It's more one-sided. But the amazing thing about God is like sometimes we're taught, well, God is out here and you got to get you got invited in here to, to, to be reconnected. I believe that God is always connected to you. That his love for you is not stopped by the fact that you don't believe him, that you aren't obeying him, that, that you're, you've done bad things against him. I believe his, his love is there. And so his invitation to you is, because he's not going to make you go like this, only you can go like this. So it's only you who can receive that love because it's already there. And you don't have to ask God to love you. You can, but he'll say, I do love you. I've always loved you. I've never stopped loving you. But for you to experience it, for you to be attached it does involve a choice. So, why don't we uh, spend some time maybe thinking about all of this and I'm going to have the worship team come up and uh, let me, let me uh, pray us into this time, okay? Lord, I, I thank you that uh, we don't have to be perfect. In fact, we don't even have to make all the right choices that you call us to live a life that is not even one where we can take credit for making a good choice. Because being good in your eyes is never about our own effort. It's about how well we receive what you've given to us and what you offer to us. So I pray, Lord, that we would see you not as a God who is expecting us to make the right choice, to get an A on the test, to have all the right answers. But I would pray that you would see, that we would see you as the one who is taking the test with us. And when we make the wrong a wrong answer that you've got an eraser to change that and to, to make it become more in line with what would be the best. So Father, I thank you that that is what you offer, that is what you desire. Uh, I thank you for doing that in my life, even in the times where, where I don't do well on the test, that you always assure me 
said that one test doesn't make up the course, doesn't make up the education. And that's what you're interested in, is the education. So we give praise and thanks in Jesus' name.